All right, good evening. We're glad you're here on time. And uh, I know the roads are a little bit slippery and people are going to be slipping and sliding on in, but we're going to jump on in tonight and take off and um, they will slide in as, as they do, as they come. Take your uh, book there if you have it, turn to page number 30. And we're going to talk about uh, the issue of prayer tonight. And when I, whenever I, I do this, people say, oh, man, I, I, wish, I wish I would have looked ahead. I wish I would have known. If I knew you were going to talk about prayer, I would have stayed home. Be, because, because here's the deal. I don't know about you. I grew up in the church. I went to three different Bible colleges and uh, church all my life. And every time I heard a message on prayer, every time I heard a message on prayer, I, I just walked away feeling guilty. Because they tell all these stories about all these great heroes of faith and how many hours this guy prayed. And, and uh, you know, they say that Martin Luther prayed for two hours a day. Leslie had a busy day. Then he prayed for three hours because he knew he needed more prayer. I had somebody come to me one time that Martin Luther confessed his sins for six hours a day. I, said, I don't think that's true. I don't think you can sin enough to confess for six hours a day, number one. And I, I found that the longer these guys are dead, the longer, the greater their prayer life becomes. And so I'm, I'm not here tonight to put you on a guilt trip um, or make you feel guilty. I, I want to give you two things. I want to give you a motivation and, and a method. And, and, and this is nothing new, but I, I know for most of us that just we, we kind of go in ebb and flow when it comes to intimacy with God. And, and we need to come back from time to time, reevaluate our priorities, and maybe have some uh, uh, just a different method inserted into our prayer life that will help us become uh, more effective. So I'm going to give you a little primer on prayer and talk about why we should pray, why it's important, and then a, a how-to that I think will be helpful to you and a reminder. Um, let's go to the Lord. Father, thank you that, that you want to have conversation with us. That just is uh, incredible to me, again, that you um, care about the minute details of our life, and yet how, how um, lax we are at taking advantage of this incredible opportunity and incredible privilege uh, to come to you and to uh, interact with you. And, and uh, so just remind us of that tonight and, and give us a, a plan and we'll give you praise. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So just a, a quick, quick reminder on prayer. Why, why should we pray? Because God says to. If that was enough, if that, if that was all there was, that would be enough. Luke 18.1, men are always to pray and not faint. If that was the only reason, then that would be sufficient because God says to. But we need to pray because we need to pray. When we don't pray, what we're saying is, God, I'll do this without you. Now, now we wouldn't verbally say that. But our lack of prayer says, I don't really need God in this. We, we need to pray because there is a devil we are not going into a playground every day. We're going into a battleground. And prayer is the spiritual exercise that prepares you for battle. And when you don't pray, you're not acknowledging the fact that you're going into this battle with, with the enemy. So because Satan is alive and well, uh, we need to pray. We need to pray because it's God's appointed way for obtaining things. What we do is we plan, we strategize, we have committee meetings, we work real hard. And then we say, look what God did. But God has given us this vehicle of prayer, and he wants us to bring those things to him. We need to pray because it's important to Jesus. He would sometimes spend all night talking with his father. Whatever was important to Jesus should be important to us. And then we need to pray because of what it accomplishes. We could start over here, go all the way across, have everyone stand and share some testimony from their life of what has been accomplished in their life through prayer. And even though we know that, we don't do it. Let's back up and talk about prayer for a minute. What is prayer anyway? I think many of us think prayer is asking God for things. It's holding the hoop and saying, God, jump through my hoop. It's, it's giving God our to-do list. 
But, but prayer is not just asking God for things. Uh, Dale Moody was in a, a meeting some years ago, and uh, it was a children's meeting, and he asked these boys and girls what prayer was. There's a little nine-year-old uh, boy in this meeting, and, and, and Dale Moody's a, a huge preacher, and he called this little boy, he stood up and said, son, what's prayer? This little boy said this, prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God for things agreeable to his will with confessions of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. And Moody was pleasantly surprised. I don't know what you would say, but most of us would say, well, prayer is asking God for things. We pray cheerleaders, you know, give me, Lord, give me, Lord, give me, give me, give me. And that becomes, uh, you know, our, our prayer life. Now I lay me down to sleep, I pray with my Jeep to keep. If it's roll before I wake, I pray to put on the break. And that becomes you know, the, the way that we pray. But, but prayer is not just asking God for things. Prayer is communion with God. Prayer is not about an answer. Prayer is about a person. Sometimes we think prayer is about an answer. Prayer is not about answers. Prayer is about a sense of the presence of God. Prayer is the turning of our soul to God. It's loving God. It's knowing God. And certainly it does involve asking. But that's just a small part of our prayer life. It's not about getting answers. It's about a relationship with the person. Now, let's back up another step and talk about prayerlessness, about prayer, the lack of prayer. What is prayerlessness? Prayerlessness is, is a sin. It's not just a weakness. It's sin. It's sin because God calls it sin. The Bible tells Samuel, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. It's sin because the Bible tells us it's sin because all the scriptures that tell us to do prayer, we aren't obeying. There are sins of commission, sins of omission. Sins of commission, sins we commit, lying, stealing, cheating, so forth. Sins of omission, things we don't do that God tells us to do. And so when you don't do something God tells you to do, then, then again, that's sin. And it leaves the door open to other temptation. The Bible says, watch and pray that you're not in temptation. Now, 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 sin can only be dealt with by confession, repentance, forgiveness, and cleansing. So let's bow our head and close our eyes for a minute before we go any farther. I want you to take a moment right now, and I want you to talk to God about your personal prayer life. If it's growing, if it's vibrant, you've already talked to him today, then just thank him for that. Thank you for the time you've already had. Thank you for the time you're, you've set aside already for tomorrow. And just say, God, thank you. That you're, I'm growing in that. If you don't have a prayer life, if that's not a part of your life, if it's not a priority, then just confess it. You don't have to live in guilt about it. But just say, God, I want to agree with you. I've not made prayer a priority. And I confess that. Thank you for your forgiveness. And, 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 and by your grace, if you'll give me help and instruction, I want to establish prayer as a primary part of my life, wherever you're at in prayer, you talk to God about your personal prayer life right now. Father, again, just thank you for the privilege we have to come to you. Teach us, remind us, I will give you praise. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. We say one more step back before we go forward. A person who does not pray at all ever, that person needs to be saved. I mean, if you don't have any prayer life at all, I mean, if someone comes in and rescues you out of a burning building, you have to go to a seminar to learn, I should thank the person who saved my life. And if you've been saved by Christ, if you've been adopted into God's family, no one has to tell you to talk to the person who has, who has saved your life. 
and a person who's not at all ever period pray, I'm saying that person probably does not have a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. I was in a meeting some time ago, and I, I shared that. And a couple of days later, a man came to me. He said, when you said that in the service, the person who's not have a prayer life at all ever, never talks to God, is probably not a Christian. I sat there and I realized there'll be a lot of times my wife will tell me, honey, will you pray about this? And I'll say, sure. He said, I don't, I, I don't pray about anything. I've, I've never prayed about anything. And I realized at that moment, I did not have a relationship. I came to church. I went through the motions. But I had never had a conversation, just me and God. And that evening, I went home and I met Christ. I got saved that night. So, 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 but I'm going to assume that you're here tonight and you have a relationship. Now, if not, then you need to back and look at that. But, but why as believers, why don't we pray? Why is that such a problem? I, I think it's because we've tried and it just hasn't worked the way that we wanted to anyway. Let me tell you why we don't get our prayers answered. Here's another reason. The Bible says in James, you have not why. Because you ask not. Okay, it's pretty obvious. The first reason is we don't get our prayers answered because we don't pray. That's, that's pretty simple. It goes on in that passage and says, and when you do ask, you ask amiss to consume it upon your own lust. The reason we get our prayer answered is because we pray for show. There's a vast difference between what we need and what we want. I never knew all the things I needed until I started going to the mall. Man, I, I didn't know. I, I never knew I needed a microwave until we had them. What did you do before you had microwaves? I, I understand. And, and there's all these things. How do we live without air conditioning you know, or whatever? And there's, there's a lot of things we just take for granted. They don't really aren't needs. Do, do you realize if you don't have it right now, you don't need it? Because God said, I'll supply all your need, not all your greed. But we get mad at God because he hasn't jumped through our hoop and didn't give us the answer to the prayer that we wanted. There, there's actually every prayer you've ever prayed has been answered. There are four answers to prayer. Yes, no, wait, and you've got to be kidding. Right? And, and, uh, but every prayer you pray has been answered. It just may not be the way that you wanted it. Because we've said, I need this. And the fact is, what we think we need is not always the case. I, I've learned a lot about prayer from my kids. Years ago, we were walking through the mall and, and we walked past a toy store. Now, when you have small children, you, you don't walk past toy stores. You go into toy stores. And so we went to the toy store, and we just had three boys at the time. And, and uh, I, I, was, I had Jeremiah, and Debbie had Josh, and Stephen was running around. And Stephen came to me, and he said, Daddy, I found something I need. He pulled me over, and he showed me this Tonka fire truck. It was really neat. It had ladders and men. And he said, Daddy, I need, I need this fire truck. I looked at the price tag, $21. I said, Stephen, you do not need this fire truck. And, and yeah, I need, no, you, you don't need it. And so we left. That night, we were praying. I said, Stephen, how can I pray for you? He said, Dad, pray for me to get that fire truck. I need that fire truck. I said, I said, Stephen, you do not need that fire truck. You just want the fire truck. Do you understand that? He didn't. I, I said, well, Daddy wants a sports car. But Daddy doesn't need a sports car. We, we have the truck that pulls our trailer. Mommy wants a house. Mommy doesn't need a house. We have the trailer. Bad analogy, but, but that's okay. And, and, and you want a fire truck, but you have other toys. Do you understand that? He said, yes. Then he prayed. Dear God, would you please give Daddy a sports car, Mommy a house, and me a fire truck? I said, Lord, you give me the sports car, I'll buy him the fire truck. No I can work that out. You know, really easy. But, but, but we've not made that distinction. We need what we want. And so when we don't get the things that we think we ask for and they don't come, then we get upset with God. Or we pray for show. The reason sometimes I remember um, 
Sometimes, again, I've learned a lot about prayer for my kids. We were, we were praying one night, and we prayed each night. Every night before the boys would go to bed, I'd go back and lay on the floor, and we'd pray. And I remember sometimes I'd get go, just go through the motions. Sometimes I'd get into it. This happened to be a night where Stephen was probably in late grade school. He really got into it. I mean, he just, um, he, he just prayed up a storm. He was praying for revival. He was praying for the church that we were at, praying for the pastor. And, and he got through, and I said, Stephen, that was a great prayer. Thank you for being so burdened and fervent. And so that was Jeremiah's turn to pray. So he started praying, and he prayed and 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 prayed. And finally, he said, "Amen." And without taking a breath, he said, "Daddy, was that a good prayer?" Now, who is he trying to impress? He heard me compliment his big brother, so he thought, "I'll pray up a storm, and Dad will compliment me too." That's so childish, is it? How many times have you prayed more concerned about what people were hearing than about what you were actually saying? Someone's called on to pray in a service, and they go into some archaic King James language, blessed art thou, sitteth enthroned among the cherubim, and whatever. And you think, is that how they always talk? You know, did the queen just walk in, or, or what? And, and, and sometimes we're more concerned about what people are hearing. Uh, as I mentioned, we have a, a leadership team in Life Action that I'm a part of. And some time ago, we were, we were praying around with our leadership team. There's about eight of us, and we're praying in a circle. And, and I was about second to last in the circle. We were praying for revival and for our finances and for our teams and so forth. And, and it got about one person away from me. And I, and I started thinking, I could say this, I could say that. Nobody said that yet. I heard someone say that one time, I could say that. And, and it's like the Holy Spirit tapped me on the shoulder, you know, from the inside. I, I'm getting ready to pray. I can say this, I can say this. And I didn't hear a voice, but it was like the Spirit said to me, you might as well even pray. I said, why not? He said, because you're not preparing your heart to talk to me. You're thinking about what can you say to impress your peers so they will think you know how to pray. I said, you're right. When it comes to my turn, I'll just say, I agree with these men. Amen. And, and that time God caught me. But, but I know there's other times I've prayed being more concerned about what people were hearing than, than what God was hearing. And when you pray for show, it, it, it goes no place. And then, and then we give up too soon. You know, the, the, the answers are yes, no, and wait. Wait is an answer. No is an answer. I mean, this helped me years ago to, to realize that Jesus prayed an unanswered prayer. Remember, he, he, he's in the garden and he asked his father if the cup that was going to be poured on him could pass. If we can do this another way, I want to do that. He added the caveat, not my will, but thine be done. God the Son asks something of God the Father and God the Father says no. Was that an unanswered prayer? No, it wasn't the answer in his humanity that he wanted. And, and sometimes the answer is wait. It's still an answer. Every prayer you've ever prayed has been answered. It's not the answer you wanted. And sometimes the answer is, is wait. But, but we give up. You've all heard stories of people who have prayed for loved ones for years and years and years and years and years and, 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 and continue to do that. But, but we say, God, I've got about three days here. If you don't do it in three days, then I'm moving on to something else. I learned the most important lesson I learned about this years ago. We were um, in between meetings. We normally have, we end on a Sunday and start the next Sunday. So we have some days in between. And so we're always on the road someplace and, that, and don't drive back to our headquarters. So we were in between meetings and we stayed at some people's house. They had a, a little farm and so we parked our trailer there. Had three young boys at the time and they had a go-kart. 
And, and my sons, man, they lit on that go-kart. For about two days, they'd come in just shaking at night, uh, riding that go-kart all day. They thought that was the greatest thing since sliced bread. I mean, it, it was wonderful. That night, we were praying, and, uh, and Stephen was in late, late grade school years, and, and uh, 10 or so, and he, and he said, uh, I said, Stephen, how can I pray for you? He said, he said, Dad, pray for me to get a go-kart. I need a go-kart. I said, you don't need a go-kart, but I'm happy to pray for it, but it's, it may not be God's will that you have a go-kart. He's okay. So he prayed, dear God, I don't need a go-kart. But if it be your will, would you please give me a go-kart? And, and that was fine. So he prayed for that for a week and for two weeks and three weeks and for a month and two months and three months. Every night he had three requests. I said, how can I pray for you? He'd say, good dreams, good rest, and a go-kart. That was like the big three every night. And this went on every day, every day, not exaggerating, for, for six months. After six months, okay, Stephen, good dreams, good rest, go-kart. Okay, Jeremiah, how can I pray for you? He says, Daddy, pray for me to get a go-kart. I need a go-kart. I, I, I said, that's Stephen's prayer. He said, I want one too. Okay, okay, okay. Now, now they're both praying. Dear God, if it be your will, please give us a go-kart. This goes on month after a year goes by. Okay, Stephen, okay, Jeremiah, Josh, how can I pray for you? He said, Daddy, pray for me to get a go-kart. He, he was five years old. I, I said, you can't even reach the pedals. He said, I can scoot way down. I can do it. Okay, okay, now, now they're all praying. Dear God, if it be your will, please give us a go-kart. This went on, not an exaggeration, for 18 months. Every night for 18 months, Stephen said, God, if it be your will, please give me a go-kart. It was about this time of year. And, and, I, and I, I, started, I was complaining to God one day. I said, God, why don't you give him the dumb go-kart? I mean, I mean, I didn't say that to him. That's what I was thinking. And, 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 I, was th- and I, really, I was sitting there thinking, God, why can't they pray for something a little more eternal than a go-kart? And man, God reached in my heart. You know what he said to me? He said, Steve, what have you prayed for every single day for the last 18 months? I, I couldn't even honestly say that I'd prayed for my family members every day for 18 months. He said, I bring you into contact with hurting people, hurting churches. You have lost loved ones, broken marriages. Who have you been so concerned, who or what have you been so concerned with that every day for 18 months you've talked to me about that? And I, I was convicted. I pulled out the New Testament that I carried, and I, I wrote down the front about 10 things I was just going to pray for it until they changed. And I, and I learned something just about, about perseverance. It, it was about this time of year. We were meeting in, uh, in Detroit at the time, and uh, there was somebody in the church who uh, some friends of one of the team members that I knew were mechanical things. And so I thought, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll uh, help God out. Maybe I'll buy him a go-kart. And uh, I, I looked at new ones and didn't have money for that. So I thought, maybe I can find a used go-kart. And I, I knew this, this, uh, these friends that uh, one of our team members had. And so I went to him. I said, um, hey, um, do you ever see a, is there a place you can get a used go-kart around here? He said, no, I don't think I've ever seen one. Why? I said, oh, my kids are praying for one. And I just thought if I could buy them a used one, maybe I could find one. He said, no, don't think I've ever seen one. I said, no problem. We, we talked for 30 seconds. Christmas came and went. Two years went by. They were praying. Two and a half years went by. This is not an exaggeration. For two and a half years, every night, Stephen said, God, if it be your will, would you please give me a go-kart? He was like 12 years old by now. And I'm someplace in America, and I get a phone call. And it's from this guy in Detroit. And he said, uh, this is so-and-so, do you remember me? And I said, you know, help me. And he said, well, I'm so-and-so's friend. And I said, okay. He said, well, a year ago, you were at our church here, and uh, you asked me if, if I'd ever seen a used go-kart. 
and I, and I, and I said, no, I, I wanted your kids to have a go-kart yet. I said, no, they're actually still praying. So I was driving down the road today, and I saw a sign in front of a house that said, used go-kart for sale. And God brought to my mind that conversation we had had a year ago for 30 seconds. And I just wondered, and if they haven't got one, then God's prompted my heart, and I'm going to get that. So we drove back to the camp at Christmas. He drove down from Detroit and delivered that go-kart on the front doorstep of our house. You know what that said to my boys? It said, God is alive. And he even hears the prayers of three little boys about something as insignificant as a go-kart. When Stephen left college, his, his first writing class, creative writing, his, his paper was entitled The Go-Kart. And, and he shared what God had taught him about perseverance in prayer by, by this prayer of two and a half years. We, we just give up. We just say, God, now if you don't do it in this time, then, then you've let me down. God's time is not our time. And, and, and don't give up. And, and then we don't qualify. Proverbs, or, or, or David said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. James says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That's why it's so important to deal with all the sin in our life so we can be on, on praying ground. So, so, so we don't harbor iniquity in our heart. And, and then we don't expect to get our prayers answered. You ever had somebody come to church and, and uh, you've been praying for them that they come and they actually came to the service and someone says, oh, I can't believe so-and-so came. They actually came. I can't believe they're really here. I can't believe. Can you believe it? I can't believe Listen, if you're shocked when prayer gets answered, it wasn't your prayer that got answered. Right? According to your faith, the Bible says, so be it. Now, let's, let's move on. Let me, let me give you something practical here. And I, I want to challenge you to do something. This is, this is Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I want to challenge you for the next five days to give God the first moments of your day. To say to God, I'm, I'm going to start my day for the next, I'm not asking for a lifetime or for a year, but for five days to give God the first moments. Have you ever considered giving God an hour of your life a day? That's like one forty-eighth of your, one twenty-fourth. Yeah, one twenty-fourth. I can do math. One twenty-fourth of your day. That's less than a tithe. What would be the difference in your life a year from now if you'd given God an hour of your life every day for a year? That'd be three hundred sixty-five hours. That's like forty-five eight-hour days. This is the. He said, "Now, Stephen, you're, I'm getting guilty again. There's no way I can spend an hour. You know, time is a unique, wonderful thing. It's the only thing we all have in equal amounts." We all have different amounts of talent, ability, money, but everyone has exactly 24 hours in a day. What if you gave God one of those hours? What would be the difference in your life a year from now? What would be the difference in your family or in this church a year from now? He says, Steve, how, how would I do that? Now, I want to challenge you to try to give God, the, it doesn't have to be 60 minutes, but to give God the first moments of your day for the next five mornings. And here's, here's what you do. You start with a time of confession. Just start by saying, search me, O God, try me, know me, see for me a wicked way in me, lead me in the way everlasting. David said, Psalm 129, that in the back of your book, there's those 50-some sins. Maybe take five a day and just say, God, how am I doing in, in pride today? How am I doing in stubbornness recently? And just go through five a day and say, God, how, how am I doing in these areas? A time of confession. Secondly, a time of praise. This is a time of just focusing on who God is. There's a list there in your book of, of a number of the attributes of God. We talked about the greatness, the sovereignty of God last night. You can add to that list and start making lists of the attributes of God and take just three or five minutes and, and talk to God about some attribute of his life and say, I'm, I want to praise you, God. You are a God of power. Here's how I have seen that. You are a God of mercy. Here's how you've shown me that. 
Take a few minutes and focus your attention on praise. Number three, this is a time of waiting. Time of just being quiet for a minute. This will be hard for some of us. Because we're just always saying something. We live in just a, a noise world. And so there's always got to be music playing, whether it's elevator music or some kind of noise. And just to be stopped and to be still and know that I am God. Just to wait. It'll, it'll be hard. Some of you will not be able to sit still for 60 seconds without doing something. I, was, I read an article some years ago by Andrew Murray called Wasting Time with God. And the premise of the article was you need to get in God's presence without an agenda and just be there. But we don't, we don't do that. Where we don't know how to take a sailor, as, as, as Psalms talks about. But so just, just take a few moments and wait. Be quiet. There's a meeting where a lady came and she said, I, I got that third stage and I, I just been focusing on the love of God. She said, I've never felt very loved by God. But I, I, I just, I just waited and I stopped and I, I just sensed God wrap his arms around me, pull me in his lap. I, I've never felt so loved by God in my entire life. I was in another meeting, and a man came to give a testimony. He said, I got that third stage, and I, I waited for God to kind of wrap his arms around me. And instead, he showed me something I needed to obey. He'll give you whatever you need. I, I was in Ohio. A, a, a Bible college professor had been attending, and he, he said, I got that third stage. I waited, and nothing happened. And I waited, and nothing happened. And I waited, and nothing happened. And I waited, and God spoke to me. See, see our problem is we don't have time to wait and wait and wait and wait on God. We say, God, I got about 10 seconds. I'm on my way out the door. We're gone. Just be quiet for a little bit. Just be still in his presence. It'll be a spiritual discipline for some of us in the middle of this time just to be quiet for 60 seconds even. And then number four is a time in the word. You say, Steve, I thought this was prayer time. It's communication time. Right now, we're not communicating. I'm lecturing you. God didn't want to be lectured. God wants communication. So, so this is just, this is not a, a long Bible study. You'll have other times to do that, perhaps. This is three to five minutes. If you're not already reading through the Bible or reading through a passage in some uh, disciplined way, then I'd encourage you to start with the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is my favorite book. The first two years after I got serious with God, I lived in Proverbs. There's 31 chapters. Just take the proverb of the day and read that chapter. Every sentence is a sermon. So, so read a passage and, and then say, God, what are you revealing to me? through what that passage just said or what that verse just said. And, 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 and whatever he shows you, then ask yourself this, how should I respond to what you just revealed? Is it a command I need to obey? Is it a promise I need to claim? How should I respond to what your word says? And then record, write it down. There's something about writing things down, forming words that, that are in your mind that will help seal and cement that truth in your heart. I, I for, for years... I did the thing where you read through the Bible and check off the boxes, and that's a, that's a good thing to do. You should do that. But I found that sometimes I was just you know getting through my my my, my daily number of verses or chapters or whatever so I could check those boxes. In the last few years, I've slowed down a little bit, and I, I start my day every day. I just take one verse, and I just, I just kind of live in that verse for a while, and and say, God, what what are you what are you saying to me through through this verse? And and I tell you again the the. Technology is a, it can be a horrible thing, but it's also a great thing. Um, I can speak into my phone and words appear. 
know what I'm talking about? Do you have a phone like that? You have a smartphone? You, you hit notes, and 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 so I, I can't I can't type well and I can't spell well, but uh, I I can talk, and so I can speak things, and it shows up on the screen, and you can save things, and and it just, it make it's so easy. So leverage technology. I, I try to do that every morning. Make sure that I'm I'm getting something out of a passage, and and then and here's here's a way you can minister to your kids, your grandkids. I send that to all my kids, all my grandkids. Just just the thought for the day, and you can do that and have impact. It gives it gives accountability for me, and it gives impact into their life. And you can do that with your friends or family or or, or anybody that might have a, a desire for that. But write something down. I, I, I'm not going to write a book. I'm not writing memoirs. I'm just I'm just trying to do it so I can make sure that I'm forming things in my mind that makes it clear and it, it is clear for me when I when I write it down. So read, reveal, respond, record. That's just a simple Bible study method. I'm, I'm just talking three to five minutes here where you're spending some time um, integrating that in, into your heart. And then number five is a time of intercession, supplication. Intercession is praying for others. Supplication is urgent praying for others. There's some people I pray for um, as, as, as God prompts me to do that. There's others I pray for on a daily basis. We try to pray for all of our kids, our grandkids each day. So intercession, supplication, then petitioning. This is asking God for your own personal needs. It's fine to do that. That should be a part of your prayer life. For some of us, that's all our prayer life is. Let it be a part. And then number seven is thanksgiving. Praise focuses on who God is. Thanksgiving focuses on what he has done. You made a list there in your book of all the material possessions God has given you. You got to take that page and maybe across the page, write down all the people that God has brought in your life. And so open up in your, in your time and say, God, I want to thank you for, for all these things, and all these people. And then the spiritual blessings God has given you. And just take some time to, to thank him. Number eight, this may be why, why you want to have a private place to do this, uh, a time of singing. God loves to hear you sing. Oh, no, he does. Yes, he does. Your wife may not like it. The kids may not like it. Neighbor may not like it. But God, if you can make a joyful noise. So just take, you say, see, this is prayer time. It's communication time. And so take three to five minutes and just sing. If, if you can't, if you can't play an instrument, do that. If you can't do that, if you can't play the radio or whatever, uh, get something and, and just get a hymnal and just sing some of the hymns. Just apart from anybody else, just you and, 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 and use some, um, help if that, if you want, but take a few minutes and sing. Just an enjoyable time with the Lord. Number nine is meditation. And I don't know if yours says this or not, but add memorization if it doesn't. Because when I talk about meditation, I'm not talking about transcendental meditation. I'm not talking about sitting there and focus on the lint in your belly button. Uh, I'm talking about meditating on something productive. And, and the way to do that is to work on memorization. You don't have to memorize a verse every day, but at least let God's word roll over your heart. Like, like take the verse we mentioned, not my will, but thine be done. 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 You're just taking that apart with what word by word. What, what is that saying to you? And if you'll take some time just to meditate on scripture, the only time success is mentioned in the Bible is in conjunction with meditation on scripture. Joshua 1, 8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayst observe to do according to all that's written therein. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt find good success. The only time you find success in the Bible and very few people take time to meditate daily on Scripture. And that number 10 is a time of listening. 
You've heard me say, you know, God spoke to me or God prompted me. I have never heard an audible voice. I've never had notes drop out of the sky or seen things written in the clouds. I've never had God reveal his will to me through a dream or a vision. I did have a bad pizza one night, kind of strange visions, but, but uh, that, that's, that's not with God. And, and I'm not saying that those things don't happen to some people perhaps, but, but God indwells you. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you and he will prompt you. And so just be still and listen. Don't, don't ask God to bless your agenda. Ask him to set your agenda. God, is, is there someone I need to call, someone I need to talk to? Don't say, God, bless my day. Don't, not just bless my agenda, set my agenda. Is there some, and you'll be amazed at how God will remind you of people you need to talk to, things you need to take care of, and, and get your orders for the day. And then a time in the Psalms. The Psalms are basically just a list of personal prayers. So, so take some time. Most of them are from, by, by David, but just, most of them are short. Take a psalm and pray it back to God. This is one of the most enjoyable and easiest ways to pray, is to take a psalm, read it, and then in your own words, pray it back to God. For example, Psalm 1-1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. God, today, I, I don't want to give in to the, the influence of, of the counsel of this world, the people that I may work around or be around, but his delight shall be in the law of the Lord. I want to delight in, in your word. He'll be like a tree, pine out of rivers of water. I want to be like that tree. that absorbs. And you're, you're just taking those words, those phrases, and your own words, pray them back to God. And so it's a great way to spend a few minutes talking with God. So you're getting his word, you're getting his heart, and you're communicating it from your heart back to his. And then end where you begin in a time of praise. Now, now, now those, those 12 steps are, aren't inspired. And you don't have to go in that, in that specific order or anything. But, but, but start and, and, and give God the first moments of your day and walk through them. Now, if you're going to do this, there's a couple things you're going to have to do. Now, I want to challenge you to do it in the morning. I, I know some of us are night people. I'm, I'm a night person. I don't like to go to bed. I don't like to get up. And, and uh, I do better. How many of you are night people? Let me say if you're a night person. Are you a night person? And, and my wife's a morning person. I'm a night person. And, and uh, so when we got married, um, you know, I, I would say to Debbie, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have my devotions now. It'd be back like 1130 at night. And, and she would say, shall I wake you up when you're done? You know, uh, because and it was just not real effective. And so about, about, I don't know, 40 plus years ago, uh, and this may not be true of the rest of you as night people, but about 40 some years ago, God came to me and said, Steve, you're not a night person. You're a lazy person. Now, it may not be true of you. Okay. But that was true of me. I, I was born lazy. I've had several relapses since. And, and, uh, and, and I, I had to deal with that. And I still don't like to get up in the morning. It's still not my favorite thing. But, but I realize if I don't give God the first moments of my day, it just, life happens. And, and it just doesn't take place. So I want to challenge you, even if you're a, a night person, to try it for five mornings. To give God the first moments of your day. Set your alarm clock tomorrow morning for an hour earlier. Or maybe you can cut out some of the things you normally do and not eat as long or take as long a shower or whatever you do. You say, what if I get done with this in 20 minutes? We'll go back to bed for 40. There, there, there's nothing magical about 60 minutes. And the next day, just get up 20 minutes early. I don't know how long it will take you. It may take you 20. It may take you 30. It may take you 60. But, but, but give yourself 60. See how long it takes. And then, and then adjust accordingly. It may take you 15. That's fine. It's, it's better than the, the, what you're doing now, right? So, so give yourself a block tomorrow. See how long it takes. Now, if you're going to do this, you have to do a couple things. You're going to have to go to bed. You're going to have to get up, right? You go, go to home and go, go to bed. You say, I, I got to stay up and watch the news. I'll tell you what the news is going to be tonight. It's going to be bad. Bad last night, but bad tomorrow night, okay? Yeah, people are like, I got to watch the weather. Why? I mean, what a job. 
The weatherman, he's wrong half the time, still gets paid for it. And what kind of a deal is that, right? If you don't know the weather tomorrow, open the door, look outside. That's the best way to know if the weather's going to be in the morning, right? Um, and, and our people, I got I to unwind. There's not much on TV anyway. But after 10 o'clock at night, there, there's really not much on. And I got to stay up and watch the, the late show or, or whatever. I used to say when he was on, you can't go to bed with Jay and get up with Jesus. And then somebody came to me and said, my husband's name is Jay. Okay. Well, if your husband's name is Jay, then that, that's okay. And I don't, even, I don't know who the late night guys are. But, you know, the, most of what's on there is not helpful. It's, it's not, it, much of it is, is uh, immodest and immoral. And it's just not what we really need to be putting in our life anyway. So go to bed. And then secondly, when you wake up, get up. Here's the deal. God will wake you up, but he won't get you up. Right? He'll wake you up. If, if you want to spend time with him, you'd be amazed. God will wake you up. But you ever said, you ever woke up and, 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 okay, I think I'll just lay here in bed and pray today. You ever try to do that? The battle of the sheets is never won from underneath side. It, it just does not happen. I, I know, I know for me, I got to go out, make a cup of coffee, Debbie gets in the shower, whatever you take to get awake, but get yourself awake. When you wake up, get up. And, and I believe if you will give God the priority of your life. Now, I don't know for some of you ladies, you, the first time you wake up is when the baby wakes up. And this is not some legalistic thing. If you have to wait till you put them down for a nap or whatever. But for most of us, we, we, can, we can set the clock. We can, we can give up a little bit of sleep. And we can spend that time and make that a priority with God. And if you'll try this, if you'll do this, if you'll establish this time, it, it is the most important decision I've ever made in my Christian life. After my relationship with Jesus initially, the most important change ever took place was to give God the first moments of my day. And I want to challenge you to try it for five days. If after five days it's not helping and it's not what you want it to be, then go back to what you're doing before. But give God five mornings. Give him the priority and see what difference it makes in your life. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. With heads bowed and eyes closed, would you just go to God right now and say, God, by your grace, as you empower me, as you enable me, as you give me strength, I, I believe God will double your sleep. If you just say, God, if, if you'll give me the power, if you'll enable me, I'll try this for five mornings. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the first moments of my day. Whatever length of time that ends up turning out, give yourself a large block tomorrow and then see how the next four days, how much time you need. And just say, God, if you'll give me strength, I will try it for five days. If you'll make that commitment, tell God that right now, right there in your seat. Now, heads bowed, eyes closed. I, I want to pray for you because I, I know the last thing the enemy wants in your life is for you to establish this is a priority. And I want to commit myself to pray for you as I get up and spend time with the Lord. And I'd be thrilled if you'd pray for me too. But I want to commit myself to you. If, if, if you would say, Steve, by the grace of God, as God gives me strength, that's my desire. Either you're already doing this or you're going to try it for five days. I'm going to give God the first moments of my day. I'll try it for the next five days. If, if, if you'd let me pray for you, slip your hand away up in there and just say, I'm going to try that for five days. Oh, that's great. Father, if, if this group will do what they've just said. I don't believe, one, they'll ever be the same. I don't think their families will be the same. And this church won't be the same. And so I pray right now that you just give grace to them as they rest tonight. Help them awake refreshed, energized, ready to talk with you. Guard that time. Give them a great day. And 
use this, establish this pattern in lives that we would we'd never get over. Thank you again. We have this privilege to talk with you. We bless you tonight for your faithfulness to us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.